Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Gabriella Schuster. Gabriella is a fierce advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion in the high-tech industry. She's a founding sponsor of both Women in Cloud and Women in Technology Network. She sits on the board of directors for both organizations now, as well as ChinaSoft International, the IAMCP, and the University of Washington, Bothell. Last November, she launched her Become Framework through a TEDx talk on gender equity and was awarded the Athena Global Leadership Award for her advocacy on behalf of women in IT. Gabriella has worked in the high-tech industry for the last 30 years. Most recently, she was a corporate vice president at Microsoft and has led businesses across multiple disciplines, driving digital and cloud transformation, strategy and execution, spanning all aspects of business model and product development, launch, marketing, sales, and partner development. As a builder and change agent, she specializes in building new businesses. Welcome to the show, Gabriella. I'm so excited to have you on. I'm very, very excited to be here, Jennifer. Great. Well, let's get started. Can you share with us your career journey and how to how you got to where you are today? Um, sure. That's a big question. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I decided to leave the healthcare industry, which is where I started my career, um, and joined software in the early 90s when the industry was very nascent because I had just moved to Seattle and it seemed like a, kind of a fast-paced, high-growth um, industry. So I took uh, I took to technology. I really loved it. I worked for a company, a small company called Aldis, which later became Adobe. And um, and what I loved about the technology was what it could do for us to make things easier. And I became an avid learner. So I joined Microsoft in 1995 when you could basically create your own job at the company. We were growing so quickly. And uh, our company revenues were only about $3 billion back then. So it was a long time ago. I, uh, I set out to learn as much as I possibly could about all aspects of the business. I switched discipline six times and held about 14 different jobs in my 25 years at Microsoft. And I learned so much about building and transforming tech businesses, innovating and marketing products and building partnerships that, um, you know, throughout that time, I really just continued to build on uh, my my knowledge, my experiences. And I think throughout that time, it took a lot of courage, focus, discipline, and obviously hard work 
but I built so many great relationships with so many people who have become mentors and allies and sponsors over the course of the years and, um, and really helped me to become the person that I am today, um, build the career that I've had today, the network, and, um, and now at the precipice, I guess, of a new transition in my life, um, really rebuild a completely kind of portfolio role, my own job of the things I love to do and, um, and you know, focus on really making a difference in the world. That is just amazing. I loved um, what you said about transitioning through so many different job roles and learning and absorbing as much as you could. And, you know, the words that really came to mind was, you know, the courage that you had to do that. But not only that, you had to put in the hard work, you had to have the discipline, you had to have the initiative because, you know, a lot of people stay in the same role for a long time. And so having your initiative and building those long lasting relationships, I think those are all really key things for our listeners to take back and say, you know, this is where we need to excel at. We have to have courage. We have to have initiative. There has to be discipline, hard work and build that network. So I, I really love that your journey took you through uh, bringing those the best out of you. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. I mean, I, I am a firm believer that, um, you know, you have to have a career goal, an objective, and, um, and you base the decisions that you make on how close they get you to what your overall objective is. And I think too many people they don't really have that and and they let their they let their career just happen they just take yeah. jobs um and they just let things unfold and um it it just what you what you find is that you do stay in jobs too long because you don't really know what you were trying to do next and um and at the end of kind of your life of working you think what did this amount to because i didn't really have an objective of what i was building it for yeah. And, you know, women, a lot of times are always giving and nurturing and doing things for others all the time. They don't stop to think about themselves. And I think it's a really good lesson to to think about is to really start to have a career goal and know where you're going, because then you'll get there. And if you don't get there, that's OK. You'll get part of the way there and then you'll see that journey and say, is this for me or not? But you have to have that goal. Yeah, agree. Yeah. So as you know, this podcast is focused on bridging employment pay and culture gap for women in technology. What are you seeing in the industry today? Well, I'm seeing us facing a crisis. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's not enough women in technology. The employment of women is not keeping pace with the growth of the industry. So we're declining by percentages. And it's compounded by the impact of the pandemic where women are dropping out of the workforce mm -hmm. at an alarming rate, and also by digital transformation, which um, as organizations go to adopt technology, um, it, it has a disproportionate impact on women and people of color in the jobs that they do have. So all of that is creating this crisis that we're in. Uh, mm -hmm. I also see that we have this this pay gap that continues to exist and persist because so many women 
don't push back and ask for more, negotiate for salaries, raises, and promotions. Um, and they're often not connected enough in the network to get the visible projects that would create the opportunity for higher pay and promotion. So I think generally I'm, I am, I think we can turn this around. I think we can face the crisis and make a difference. But right now I see a lot of invisible women and, um, you know, and, and I think that we need to help help women to um, build their confidence, see the role models, understand what's possible. And then we also have to change some of the systemic issues that are um, really driving women out of technology. What do you think some of those are? Well, I think that there are still there's still very much a lot of bias within tech that, mm-hmm. um, you know, women aren't great technologists or um, that, uh, you know, there's in in the education system itself, I think that it's geared towards um, more of the way um, men seem to learn than women and women are outnumbered in the classroom. And so it makes it more difficult for them to speak up and learn um, in that setting as well. Um, and then I think that there, there, it is so male-dominated, high-tech is so male-dominated that, um, you know, you are often the only woman in the room. And mm-hmm. if you don't have allies in the room with you, your voice gets drowned out, your ideas get drowned out, and the value of the diversity, of being the, the diverse experience and perspective in the room isn't really um, embraced. That is so, so true. I've experienced it myself. I know you have. Um, Just, you know, in the technology industry, it is very male-dominated, and uh, many, many women feel like they don't have a voice, they don't have the confidence, they don't have the um, drive to push forward because it's just it feels like a battle they're not going to win. So very, very true. Um, So let's talk about leadership because it kind of goes right with that, right? So what does it take to be a great leader? And share with us some of the challenges that you've overcome through your career that we can learn from. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes to what we talked about before. I think number one thing is it takes courage. It -hmm. takes a lot of courage to stand up for yourself and for others to be willing to challenge the common wisdom that might be occurring within your team or in a room and to drive for innovation, to realize the perspective and experience you bring and you have um, will add value and that you won't let somebody dismiss you or shut you down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that takes just a lot of energy mm-hmm. and courage every single day. Um, it also takes um you know, you have to take the time to think about um, what do you think is the right thing, the right direction? What is your perspective? Um, what are you bringing to the table? And and so building that into a vision, a vision for yourself, a vision for the, the work that you're doing, a vision for the company um, or the team and um, passion, along with the ability to collaborate and get others to follow you, even if you lack that organizational authority. I think mm-hmm. that probably the thing that um, helped me the most in my career 
was, um, you know, my ability to bring people together to um, talk about what needs to be done, what needs to be done in the market. Like in those early days in Microsoft, um, you know, you were building your own job because there was just not enough people to do everything that needed to be done. And the industry was so young. And um, and you'd look out and say, wow, we really need to drive adoption. And in order to get to um, the kind of adoption we need, we're going to need, um, you know, systems administrators. So how are we going to get systems administrators? And you'd um, have to go around to all the different people that you work with to say, what could you do to help us get more systems administrators and pull together a plan and create a vision and um, and rally people towards the objective and um and you're not necessarily in that sense declaring yourself as the leader, but you are organizing things and you become mm-hmm. the leader and it becomes mm-hmm. a vision that people want to follow um, kind of despite where you might be in the in the uh, organization. And I think, um, you know, I've, I did that multiple times in multiple different situations where I just saw something that needed to be done and um, and built my career on that. That's great. That's great. And I hear collaboration a lot because you were rallying the, the team to, you know, buy into the concept and then execute and create results. And I think that comes from collaboration. And women are very good at collaborating. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how we manage. That's how we lead. So, you know, I think um, our listeners should be thinking about how they can use that skill that they already have to uh, to become great leaders. Exactly, exactly. And it's, it's about, you know, putting yourself in that position of um, building that vision and building on the vision as opposed to just being a project coordinator or an assistant mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. right? Right, right. So we're hearing a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, in the workplace. Um, and, you know, even at Directions, we're hearing from our customers, we're providing some training around that. Do you think it's making a difference? Are we turning a corner? Are we going to get to like a tech equity for all? I think we're going to get to a tech equity for all. And I'm hoping that we can pick some key areas where we can accelerate and Mm -hmm. make it faster than, you know, I think where we are. So I think where we are is we haven't quite turned the corner. I think there there's awareness. There's mm-hmm. you know we're we're creating some great awareness of the challenge and the crisis. I feel like we're in very early stages and we haven't yet moved enough of the majority to action um, to feel like we've got traction. Um, the recruitment numbers are still too low. The retention numbers are really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I read the other day that um, Capgemini did a study and found that 90% of all organizations in tech lack an inclusion program in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So, you know, while, while we could create diverse teams, they're not that um, you're not going to get the value of the diversity unless there's inclusion. And right. um, and so we need the organizations to build inclusion programs, and we have a long way to go on that. So um, I think taking advantage of the crisis that we're in of the awareness that we have right now and then really driving towards a couple of different things one would be allyship right helping all leaders but particularly men who are in those leadership positions of power 
to understand what is allyship, how to be an ally, how to become an ally, how to be more intentional about it, and how to infuse that into the culture of their organization so that they do create an inclusive environment um, and eliminate the perception gap where um, you know, a lot of male leaders don't believe that there is a challenge with inclusion in their organization. And yet, like all of the people in the organization, when they report it, <laughs> report that there's huge challenges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And so I think the way to close that perception perception gap is through um, allyship and, um, and, and making that a primary part of their inclusion programs. And I think the other thing is for us to really um, get more um, transparency and reporting on what those actual diversity figures are across the entirety of the industry and, um, and expose pay inequities. And mm-hmm. there are multiple ways to expose those pay inequities, but I think probably the um, the best way for us to drive for change is to require organizations to publish their salary ranges when they publish a role um, so that everybody's on an equal playing field. And then to get more um, more states, more governments to adopt the kinds of legislation that they did in, I think it was California, where they said that you, it is illegal to ask somebody what they made in their previous role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you know that there is an increase in the number of women leaving the tech industry? As a woman-owned business, Directions Training has made it our mission and passion to change this statistic. That's why Jennifer created this podcast. We showcase insight from everyday women for everyday women in the tech industry. Do you know other people that would benefit from tuning in? Share the link and help us drive the advancement of women in the tech industry. Do you have a journey or know of someone that our listeners would benefit from hearing about? Reach out to us at directionstraining.com slash podcast. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and wherever you find your podcasts. Now, back to the show. That is... That is a wealth of information you just went through, and I completely agree with everything. The allyship is critical, and that's why even for my podcast, I started a segment that's called Mentors That Make a Difference, and it's really bringing our male allies in to talk about this problem and how do we solve it, because the awareness is half the battle. They have no awareness sometimes Mm -hmm. of the situation, and inclusion is not something they practice. You know, I've learned a lot about inclusion just in my own uh, company is to make sure if somebody is not speaking up at a meeting or doesn't have a voice to give them other ways to uh, provide their thoughts and their feelings and their, you know, expertise in different areas, because not everybody Everybody is vocal and not everybody wants to speak up in a meeting, you know, but to really give that inclusive voice to everybody in different ways. Yeah, I mean, and not and not everybody is, you know, can is like the extrovert that thinks on Mm -hmm. their feet that can respond to something right away. Right. They need time to Mm -hmm. uh, understand the problem or hear what other people are saying and then come back with their opinion, which is generally super thoughtful. But you have to you have to run your organization fairly differently in order to make sure you're enabling that. And if you do it the way you've always done it, you probably are not going to be inclusive just because the awareness wasn't there years ago. And now it's it's really 
you know, coming out in more ways. The other thing that we are educating a lot on is unconscious bias, because we all have our biases, no matter where we grew up, you know, um, what school we went to, what kind of education we had, what our family culture is, all of those things make you who you are. So there are things that come from your heritage that you may not even know that you're biased about, but really learning about those things are so, so important. Absolutely. And being, you know, being open to Mm -hmm. letting somebody share with you how what you said or what you did may be impacting them. Um, I think that's, you know, so important and um, and not getting defensive about that is a way to get yourself educated on what your biases may be, because you just like you said, you don't even know what Mm -hmm. they are. Um, and, you know, and then there there are still a lot of biases related to, um, you know, women and their commitment to the workplace based on their desire to balance um, their family and mm-hmm. their other priorities with work. Uh, I know mm-hmm. I face that a lot myself where, um, you know, there were several times in my, I mean, I was ne- I've never been willing to sacrifice something um, in my personal life for work. Mm-hmm. Um but there there was definitely times when I had to be explicit and explain why and be clear that it didn't impact my commitment to mm-hmm. excellence and my commitment to the job. And I do find, you know, I mean, I have women and male uh, employees, and I feel like they both give everything they've got, even if women have a family or need to run to the doctor with a child or whatever, they'll make up the time at other times and, you know, really give it their all. So there is a lot of benefit to have that diversity in your workforce because you're going to learn from many different experiences. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping that a lot of organizations as they, you know, start back in a hybrid workplace really mm-hmm. take the great lesson that we've learned through the pandemic, which is the the value of flexibility. Um uh, because to your point, when you you know, people will give you their best when they feel like they are in a place where they can really do what's needed to manage their lives. They get Mm -hmm. more stressed if they aren't in a place where, you know, where they kind of always have to second guess how they're spending their time. That's very difficult. Right. And, you know, we talked with the pandemic, the remote work has given at least at the at the least level, the commute time back to people. So now they have at least an hour or two, you know, back in their life to focus on family and balance the two. Exactly. Exactly. So those are the things I hope we don't lose as people. I, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so we are both extremely passionate about gender equality, as as we've talked about. So what are some of the things that we can do to accelerate, like you said, or to scale our efforts so that we can see the change faster and make a difference? Because that's my passion. I know it's your passion. Um, and we do all that we can, but maybe there's ways that we can join forces and we can get bigger groups together, you know, all working on the same challenge and making a difference. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's very similar to what I was saying before. It's about creating the vision of what's possible and 
um, really identifying what are those points of acceleration, where if we rally to those points of acceleration, we can get everybody rowing in the same direction. So I think that there's really three things that um, that are key points of acceleration in closing the gender equity gap. One is spotlighting even more role models, um, women who are making um, the switch through programs like your scholarship program, mm-hmm. um, women who have been successful because more women need to see themselves in a story. And so the more stories we tell, the more women can see themselves doing something like that person. Um, So spotlighting more role models, building out on allies, helping um, everyone, every leader, every man understand their role in allyship and what they can personally do. And then um, and then helping organizations really focus on things like diversity and pay index um, to be public and transparent and governed and consistent. So then I think when we do that, we really scale our efforts. We get everyone involved. We get organizations involved on the governance and reporting angle. We get governments engaged relative to creating that governance or requirements through SEC, things like that. And then we help every individual every individual in technology understand their role and what they can do to um, commit to make intentional action to become an ally and um, and really change the status quo so um, you know building out that business case building out the vision and then helping everyone understand what their role in that is um, i think those are the ways that we really can scale this that's great. I love the vision part of it because if you can see that big picture and you see all of the pieces under it, you can start to attack each one and make a difference. Um, so having that full picture, because I think people are attacking it a little bit at a time with different uh, thoughts, but not seeing the whole vision and the whole big picture, I think makes a huge difference. I think you outlined it very articulately um, and it showed, you know, all the paths that we need to affect in order to make a difference. So that's great. So yeah, I know I mean, you, you go ahead. Sorry. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I, I liken it to, um, you know, a, a fleet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you need you need everyone in the fleet to be um, moving towards the same destination. And um, and when you have that, that fleet is strong. But if you have, uh, you know, a thousand ships and they're all just meandering a path and not necessarily driving towards the same destination, you don't get the power behind it. And so, you know, working with organizations like the Women's Business Collaborative um, and bridging all of the different groups and efforts and getting everybody to have that common vision and drive towards that common set of outcomes um, really um, really is what is necessary to create that grassroots movement and then kind of grassroots meets um, some of the big initiatives going on at the UN level um, will will really enable us to bridge that. Yeah, no, that's great. And the um, analogy of the fleet really, you know, if you start to picture it, you can see how that can be so powerful, everybody moving in the same direction and we're one force rather than we're all meandering in different areas and maybe we're making small uh, changes, but it's really only in that little area. So mm-hmm. I love I love that analogy. So I know um, you've talked a lot about allies and 
You're also a huge advocate for male allies, and I firmly believe that we need more male allies in order to support our efforts for gender equality. So what are some best practices that you've seen in male allies that we can kind of put out there so that our listeners can say, hey, I can do that, and I can be a male ally for women or gender equality. So what are your thoughts on that? Have you seen some characteristics that really stand out that are great um, characteristics for male allies because we need to recruit more of them. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so there's two things. One is in the framework that I created, Become, um, that I did my, uh, base my TED, TED talk on, mm-hmm. um, that there are steps that, four simple steps men can, you, anybody can um, follow to become an ally. And that is about connecting into the network. Um, So in this case, the network of women and the Mm -hmm. women in technology that are there today so that they build those connections, they build those points of access and um, and open the door for both themselves to have greater learning um, as well as for the women who need pathways to success. So the first step is connection. The second step is outreach. So um, when you have a job to fill um, or when your organization is recruiting or recruiting either for partnerships, supply chain, or jobs, that you are outreaching into that network of women and you are um, you know, finding them by creating job descriptions that really um, screen in for that diversity. You're, you are um, putting requirements into your supply chain or your partnership um, mm-hmm. requirements that re- really focus on diversity. Um, and so that's outreach. Then the third step is um, kind of follows from that is mentorship. So, um, you know, taking under your wing um, the women that you've connected with and starting to mentor them. To your point, um, you know, sharing with them um, the the value of of your experience, your success mm-hmm. and your failures, um, and um, and helping them learn from that. And then um, and then finally, what we've been talking about, which is empowerment, um, and that's about creating that inclusive environment. And that's where this concept of allies really comes into play. So when you think about what are the what are the behaviors that allies exhibit, great allies are um, advocates. So when, um, you know, when they are putting together a team, when they are putting together a project, um, responding to a customer, they're advocating on behalf of um, the the women that they work with as well, um, they're making sure that um, that their women are connected and included in those conversations. They um, they listen, so they really listen to learn, not listen to respond. So many mm-hmm. people sit in a meeting or view, and they just they're just thinking about what they're going to say as opposed to really listening to what someone else is saying um, and asking questions and being curious. So listen, they lift people up, they um, build confidence. They don't destroy your confidence. They look at ways that they can find the great things you're doing and help you see them and help you do more of what you do well as opposed to looking for ways to provide criticism. Mm -hmm. Many women 
find enough criticism, self-criticism, that they don't need someone who's going to be their critic. They need someone who's in their corner and lifting them up. Um, they they create that inclusive environment by, you know, for every project, for everything, they're looking and saying, who's in the room? Do we have enough diversity? Are all the right people here? Who's not represented? How do we bring them in? And mm-hmm. um, and then they elevate the um, the women and their um, contributions in in the project. So they give them visibility. They give them visible projects. They give them those opportunities to prove what they can do through those kinds of um, projects that will enable them to get promoted and seen. And then the last thing is they sponsor them. So when they're not present, when when the woman isn't there, they are there. They are again their advocate. They are sponsoring them. Um, and they are finding those opportunities for them to grow and learn and be more. I love, love everything you said there. There was so much great information. Um, I love the listen to learn, not listen to respond, being that champion for women when they're not in the room. If they're in the room, give them a voice, you know, elevate them. These are all just amazing, amazing um characteristics that we should look for in allies. And and there are so many great male allies out there. I can think of a few that have helped me through my career, and I'm sure you have as well. Um, but, you know, we need to go out and create that awareness that they are here to help us. Agree, agree. And, and, and celebrate what they do when they do it. Um, mm-hmm. Doing to, I mean, to help them see, because a lot of men will do some of those things um, kind of uh, unconsciously, helping mm-hmm. it become part of their consciousness um, so that they can do it for everyone. They can apply it more intentionally. That's what we need to do. And, you know, I, I think some of it comes from also your upbringing. You know, it was interesting. I was talking to a girlfriend of mine uh, a few years ago, and she she had young younger sons. And she really focused on how they should be treating other people constantly, not just thinking about themselves, but how do you open the door for somebody? How do you, you know, be respectful? How do you uh, treat people with a voice? You know, all of those things. She was training them at a young age, and I thought that's so important. And I don't know if every generation ever did that, you know, because we just didn't have that consciousness about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, switching gears, I know you've traveled a lot in your career, and I wanted to hear what is your most favorite place that you've traveled to and why? Oh. And it can be multiple if, if there's not just one place. <laughs> there were certainly so many places that I'm like, they're on my list to go back because I just mm-hmm. love them. But I think probably one of my favorites was Barcelona. Ah. And I loved Barcelona because it's a it's a culture that has retained so much of its Catalan history and character mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. still being part of the modern world. It, you know, one of the most amazing things, they had the Olympics there. I can't even remember back, way back when that mm-hmm. was. But mm-hmm. this is a city that um, basically retrofitted as you know, a, a, a city that's been around for hundreds of years. And there are escalators on the streets and subways that they put in place for the Olympics that, you know, you can get around faster and better there than you can in Seattle. And it's just, it was just so incredible. And yet they maintained the character 
of the city and they have beautiful architecture with Gaudi mm -hmm. architecture that is just phenomenal. And then they have these old world market streets um, kind of mixed with new world shopping areas. And um, it was so much fun. And, and then obviously the weather is just beautiful there. Mm -hmm. Well, I would agree with you. I loved Barcelona when we were there and just the culture, the people, the architecture, all the things you said are just amazing. And yeah, I'd love to go back again. <laughs> all right. So in closing, Gabriella, would you get what advice would you give a woman considering a career in tech? How should she get started? Well, I would say prepare yourself to, to have to stand up for yourself um, mm -hmm. and to claim your seat at the table. Find your voice, your perspective, um, your vision and objectives for yourself, your career, and what you want out of, um, out of the company, the job, the industry. Practice being an ally for others. Amplify others and practice inclusion every day. And then pay it forward by being a role model and a mentor. That's amazing. Amazing advice. Gabriella, it was such an honor to have you on my show. I love, love, love talking to you. And uh, if we had another hour, we'd be continuing our discussion. <laughs> but um, thank you again. Can you share with your list with our listeners how they can get a hold of you? Absolutely. So connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Gabriella Schuster in the directory. Um, <laughs> that's then, great not many people can say that <laughs> not many people can say that and then I've also recently put together my own website um, on allyship so you can learn more at gabriellaschuster.com awesome awesome well thank you again and I look forward to having you on a future show again same here thank you thank you for listening to tech in the right direction Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.